Which NFC West receiver is being criminally undervalued in FFPC drafts right now? What AFC East stack can be had easily and presents a high ceiling? And who represents the best value at tight end for the Cowboys in June high-stakes drafts? Plus, multi-league winner in both the Football Guys Players Championship and the FFPC, Derek Kappas will discuss some of his Football Guys Players Championship roster builds this season and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Falkman. Stick around. Your high stakes fantasy football hour starts right now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men. I need a lesson. Make out of the lesson. Just because it was right there in the dresser so easy. Pick me up, kiss me, and you squeeze me. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Remember to check out their music at quiethollers.com or anywhere you buy music. Greetings and salutations, all you Balkaholics and Ferelliacs. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by myffpc.com. I am, of course, your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Farrell, no excuses now. We are into minicamp season. We are into June. You haven't been drafting already, man. You got to get out there and start drafting. Got to get out there and start drafting. It is a blast of fun. I think I'm on my eighth football guys team. I'm seeing some new trends develop as we get a little closer. Oh, Balky, I'm, I'm loving every minute of it. Yeah, we'll get into some of those trends too because a lot of the guests that we have coming up on this show are participants who already, mm-hmm. like you, Farrell, have a half dozen, have a dozen um, football guys drafts under their belt already this season. It's only going to get hotter and heavier as well as our program tonight. Coming up on tonight's show, we're going to talk about a second-year receiver that might be on the verge of a massive breakout. We're going to talk about how Ben Roethlisberger's elbow will impact the Steelers' offense this season. And multi-league FFPC and football guys champ Derek Kappas is going to drop in for some discussion on a sleeper in the Bears' backfield investing in the Seattle Seahawks this year, and much more. Shout out to the chat room right now. You Feel free to post any questions you might have in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, the show is at HSFFR. I am at Eric Balkman. Farrell is at J. Farrell Elliott. Derek is at Derek Kappes. That's D-E-R-E-K-K-A-P-P-E-S. Facebook.com slash HSFFR is where to reach us there. 347-426-3682 is the phone number. That's 347-GAME-OBA. You can also email the show at the inbox, football at gmail.com. We'll try to get to all the chat room questions, those emails, and the tweets in the fantasy feedback segment coming up in the final uh, spot of the show tonight. And thanks to our audio engineer, my best friend Bryce, and our producer and mutual friend Rob for monitoring all of that. The 2021 Football Guys Players Championship Early Bird is indeed live. Remember, 
If you are signing up by the end of this month and drafting prior to July 15th, you are going to get a free $35 FFPC credit. We'll do that up to three times for you. Big news, $500,000 for first place this year, but $100,000 for second. So as long as you're close enough, you can still get a six-figure grant, uh, six-figure prize even if you don't win the whole thing, which is really good. The inaugural Best Ball Tournament has launched. We have 30-second sit-and-goes, two-hour, six-hour clocks, um, live drafts in that as well. Uh, those are popping off every day. Take your swing at $100,000 there. The Dynasty Startups, the Best Ball Drafts open, including $5 Cinco Day Best Ball options. And don't forget about the checkered flag and the main event at kffsc.com. Take your chance at a five-figure grand prize in the main event out there, too. And don't forget about that five grand for first place in the checkered flag while drafts are still available there. By the way, if you're in the chat room tonight, excuse me, uh, we do have a special announcement coming before we sign off about next week's program, something special that's going on there. If you're Kevin Williamson, who's already in the chat room tonight, you already know what that special announcement is, but everybody else will find out before we sign off tonight. Thanks to Football Guys, Draft Sharks, NBC Sports Edge, and Rob for tonight's Fantasy Flash, kicking things off in Northern Florida. Urban Meyer, the new head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, said DJ Chark's film last year was, quote, a big guy that played little, this according to ESPN. Meyer said he didn't like DJ Chark's size. Quote, his strength, I just thought, was way below average, way below what we expect from our receivers, and he was told that. He's a big guy that played little last year, and that can't happen. He's got to play big and strong. Chark put on seven pounds of muscle, and we will uh, see if um, if this you know, continues to motivate Chark the right way. Um, DJ Chark, as we look at Football Guys Players Championship ADP, which we always get from our good buddy Darren Armani at FantasyMojo.com. Over the last five days in Football Guys drafts, DJ Chark is wide receiver 32 at the 705. That is right after Cortland Sutton and Juju Smith-Schuster. It is right before Devontae Smith and Robbie Anderson. Farrell, we haven't talked about DJ Chark a whole lot, but the next receiver we're going to talk about I think is in the same boat as him is we're kind of penalizing him for what we saw last year. Chark represents a good bit of value at uh, wide receiver 32, in my opinion. Do you happen to agree with that? I do agree with that, and I agree with what the coach is doing. You know, accountability is a big, big part of football, and he's putting it out there. Uh, you know, Henry Jordan says that you're a great uh, Vince Lombardi treated players all the same way like dogs. But that wasn't correct, Balky. He he selected. He was a master motivator. and He selected certain individuals to motivate them in different ways. And each one of them would require a little different attention. And as you say here, it appears to be uh, working with uh, uh, with DJ Shark. I, I love this receiver core down there. It's very inviting for this rookie quarterback. And you know, if if the coach likes big receivers, he needs to look no further than six foot six inch Colin Johnson, who is free in drafts now, and and I think will uh, maybe unseat some playing time from some of these guys. But what a great look in Jacksonville as we move into this season. Yeah, you mentioned Kyle Johnson. I think we've talked about him on this program before where if he would have come out a year earlier, there were some you know teams and pundits out there that were saying he was going to be mm-hmm. a first-round pick out of Texas. He stayed the other year, uh, the next year, didn't fare so well, and then obviously tumbled way down NFL draft boards and uh, has an opportunity in front of him with Trevor Lawrence tossing him on the rock this year. That Jacksonville offense is going to be fun to watch, not just with the receivers, yep. but you think about Travis Etienne and James Robinson in the backfield as well. Fun times in Jacksonville. We haven't said that in a while. Now, moving on to that receiver that I was talking about at the top when we were talking about DJ Chark, 
Cooper Cup said on Wednesday that his knee is doing really well. This according to Jordan Rodriguez on Twitter. Cup missed the final week of the season last year with bursitis in his knee. This is something that he played with the entire season. He uh, played in the wildcard game for the Rams. Then he missed the divisional playoff against the Green Bay Packers. He said it, he called it a degloving of the tissues beneath Ooh. my skin. I don't know if that sounds good at all. He said it wasn't bursitis. Um, but he had it earlier in the year, but then didn't have the bursitis anymore. And then the tissue degloving is what took place at the end of the year. Uh, Cooper Cup is 28 years old. He missed the entire 2018 season or the, most of the 2018 season with a torn ACL. Farrell, as we look at the ADP for Cooper Cup right now in football guys drafts over the last five days, wide receiver 21 at the 504. This is right before Adam Thielen and Deontay Johnson. It is right after DJ Moore and Jamar Chase. You look at the touchdown disparity, only three touchdowns last year, but he had a boatload of receptions. He had a boatload of yardage. Like It was very comparable to Robert Woods. The main difference is the touchdowns. Are we unfairly penalizing Cooper Cup for not getting in the end zone? And and those owners that do take a chance on him in the mid-fifth round, are they actually going to be very happy with that they went with Cup and took the chance on him when we come back and look at this conversation in December and January? I think that, I think they certainly will be, and, and anyone that has given up on this player is is, is probably making a mistake. Now, um, arthritis, bursitis, two running buddies that uh, show up after an ACL. Uh, I, I sometimes think in Los Angeles the the uh, team doctor and, and the medical staff there talk a little too much. We seem to get we seem to get too much information about these players. I think part of that uh, follows uh, Todd Gurley around a little bit. But you know, when Cooper mm-hmm. Cup came out, Balky, and and this is something that has stuck to him um, very very early in his career. When he came out of college, a descriptor that I had never heard uh, being around football all these years, I had never heard that he slows the game down around him. Most players are talking about, oh, you've got to pick up your game. You've got to speed up your game. Play faster. You're in the NFL. Cooper Cup is the polar opposite of that. He has a rare set of hands, um, an exceptional ball tracker. Robert Woods has got to get separation. Uh, Robert Woods has got to be open to make that catch. Uh, maybe Stafford, not as much as he has been in the past. But my point is that if the ball is catchable, Coop will go get it and catch it balance, physicality, those are his games with the new quarterback. He'll return to be a red zone threat, and I hope he's healthy. Uh, Nationally, you need healthy, whether the game is in your speed or you have a very, very unique game like Cup does, you need to have healthy knees to make the cuts and make the plays. But still, this player plays a unique game, and he can pay dividends uh, with his skill set unlike a lot of players. I'm always high on Cooper Cup, middle of the fifth round. I've got to go get him. Yeah, it certainly has a good opportunity to finish much higher than wide receiver 21. Speaking of receivers here, as we have a heavy wide receiver fantasy flash, Michael Gelkin, who writes for the Dallas Morning News, reports that CeeDee Lamb has actually been playing in four different wideout spots during the workouts in the offseason for the Cowboys. Mike McCarthy, quote, He's an excellent example of what you're looking for in your second-year players. I see C.D. making that jump. He is very comfortable, very natural. C.D. Lamb last year, 93% of his routes were from the slot, obviously with Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper playing outside. He led the team in end zone targets only with three um, because that's – I beg your pardon. That was three uh, uh, red zone targets 
before Dak Prescott actually went down. And then, well, let's face it, it might have been all season because there wasn't a whole lot of red zone targets, uh, end zone targets after that. C.D. Lamb is uh, looking, as we look, I actually just drafted him in the uh, checkered flag um, championship Good with job. JFFSC. I drafted him uh, on, uh, on Monday night. Yes, thank you so much, Harold. I appreciate that. Wide receiver 12 at the 311 right after Keenan Allen and Terry McLaurin, right before Allen Robinson and Amari Cooper. One of the things that's interesting about this, Farrell, is Mike McCarthy, obviously the longtime coach in Green Bay, he always preached this over and over again, is, is he saw a lot of the draft picks that the Packers made would make this significant jump in year two, the sophomore jump as opposed to the sophomore slump. And he looks there, it, it seems that CeeDee Lamb is poised to do that this year. Could have taken him or Amari Cooper. I went with CeeDee Lamb because I liked the upside better. I liked what I saw in the limited time with Dak Prescott last year. And I really love CeeDee Lamb this year. I wish I had more of him. I think, that's, I think I only have him in like three leagues so far, maybe only two leagues. But even wide receiver 12 at the end of the third round, that's a price I'm willing to pay because of this guy's upside. Yes, sir. If you're assigned a draft spot in the FFPC of the football guys, uh, anywhere from uh, 8 uh, through 12, and you come into that third round, that's C.D. Lamb territory, and I think you'd be crazy not to get him. I expect him to continue to move up. Yes, natural and comfortable with a Duke's mixture of quarterbacks, a whole team that didn't look natural and comfortable uh, in every position. Uh, Lamb brought in his rookie year a uh, – uh, a certain quality to this team. And I do believe even with uh, Justin Jefferson's uh, wonderful season last year, I would have to say that that's the one rookie receiver that outperformed Lamb last year. But there was something about Lamb's season which makes me think that that he's got a lot of great football in front of him and we haven't seen it yet. You know, it was a glorious class of rookie receivers uh, last year, some of them uh, we we talked about uh, last week with Nat Plasky uh, was uh, Rager stepping up. Van Jefferson is a first teamer with the Rams this year, and and people seem to be sleeping on him. And uh, you know Henry Ruggs was the first wide receiver off the board. Don't give up on Henry. There's a lot of guys that will need to step up in their second year. The C.D. Lamb has the talent to step up, and I think he will. I have a feeling we might get into some Henry Ruggs with our guest tonight, Derek Kappas, who's coming oh, up here in just a couple of minutes here, ladies and gentlemen. Before, I know that gets fairly excited anytime we can talk Raiders football on the HSFS hour. Yes. Um, we've been talking about a lot of receivers here. One other thing I want to touch on before, Derek, uh, we get to his interview. Uh, Michael Carter is uh, the new fresh rookie running back in New York for the Jets. The Athletics' Connor Hughes says, quote, it won't be long before – fourth-rounder Michael Carter is indeed the Jets' lead back. Now, Hughes is the uh, beat writer for the uh, Jets for the Athletic and has really been beating this drum about Michael Carter being the lead back, talking about uh, how elusive he is, uh, the abil- his ability to make plays, and, and uh, Tevin Coleman's actually been running ahead of him for the, uh, for the Jets right now. Um, Carter has been getting his reps in the individual work portion of minicamp right now for the Jets. Michael Carter, Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson working with the, the rookie and presumed starter, Zach Wilson at OTAs. LaMichael Pirine and Josh Adams have been working with the backups. Michael Carter right now, Farrell, uh, a guy that I, I grabbed in a couple spots. I like him this year. I don't love him. But running back 31 in the mid-seventh round, you look at the other running backs there. Now, I know you're probably going to take your guy Raheem Mostert over Carter, and most FFPC guys have been doing just that. Um, but Carter's going ahead of Melvin Gordon, Leonard Fournette. I think I'd do that, too. I think I'd rather have Carter than Melvin Gordon or Leonard Fournette right now. How high are you on the rookie? 
I like Carter very much, but I'm going to have to approach playing Carter with a crystal ball. And I would, you know, I, I would slow down our, our, our writer here. You know, if people want to know who Michael Carter is, uh, they can think of another jet running back, Leon Washington. This is this player's the same size, same build as Leon Washington. And what did we always talk about Leon Washington? We wished he would get more opportunity. So we got to look at what's in the way of this player having opportunity. And, um, you know, his name is, is Kevin Coleman, and a lot of people roll their eyes at Kevin Coleman, but this is the third go-round between this player and this offensive coordinator. Michael Floor was at Atlanta when Coleman showed up. Uh, he followed on the bigger free agent deal to uh, San Francisco. The, the, the head coach and the, the offensive coordinator, LaFleur, was the passing game coordinator at San Francisco. These guys know this player. This is not like a veteran player that was added on by the general manager and t- who tells the coaches to make a fit. You know, this, this is a player that... Um, his, uh, you know, the 2000, 2020, he spent the entire year uh, essentially injured, only had one start. So when we look at what, the, you know, a cursory look at the Jets' schedule suggests they're going to have an easier time to start than they will to finish. So you, you think that, well, the rookie running back, he will eventually, as our writer here says, he will eventually earn the job. Well, you know, Coleman's got the opportunity to play against some competition uh, that might be a bit uh, a bit easier for him to break out with. Uh, yeah, I could talk about this all night, and we got our guests waiting. It doesn't mean that I don't like or know Carter. Carter does exactly what he must do to be successful in the system. The reason he was drafted, this is a zone-blocking scheme. It mirrors uh, the Mike Shanahan. Um, the offense that goes back, back, back years. The uh, it's going to be a shame to see Mackay uh, Becton in a zone blocking system. That's a whole other story. But you know Carter was a standout um, with the three cone drill and the shuttle drill on his pro day. He's a natural fit for this offense. But blocking the relationships with the coaching staff. Uh, and what they believe in with Tevin Coleman. And I'll, I'll tell you this, we saw, you know, in 2020, we saw uh, both these running backs from Carolina tear up Wake Forest and tear up Duke. And, you know, I my memory goes back to 2019 when uh, the San Francisco, I don't even have to leave the state of North Carolina. You know, Coleman comes into uh, Carolina, rushes for three touchdowns, catches another four-touchdown game on 100 yards. Uh, and then I, then I look one more aspect of the depth chart of this team. There's a lot of young players on it. Uh, do I do I think they're going to open the season with a lot of chances with a rookie running back and a rookie quarterback? So if I'm going to make this choice uh, with this player in the seventh round, I'm going to also look at where I can pick up Coleman, which uh, has normally been around the 14th or 15th, although on the football guys today, I think some relatively astute uh, gentleman uh, picked Coleman in the 12th round. Yeah, ADP currently of Tevin Coleman uh, running back 57 at the 1403. That has been climbing a, a little bit too. Um, man, if you look at getting Michael Carter in the 7th, getting Tevin Coleman in the 12th, 13th, 
might not be the worst back in the world as far as uh, trying to lock up what should be an improved backfield for the Jets this year. And, Farrell, Leon Washington, you brought him up. He probably won't have to go far to pick Leon Washington's brain, Will Michael Carter. Leon Washington, an assistant special teams coach currently for the New York Jets. Very interesting how time is a flat circle there. Uh, Let's get to tonight's guest, ladies and gentlemen. I want to bring him in right now. He's been playing fantasy football for the past decade and got into high-stakes leagues in the FFPC uh, in the 2019 season, playing a few best balls in the main event. Today, he's heavily invested in the Football Guys Players Championship. We'll be going to Vegas for the live main event draft this year as well. To date, he's already won three leagues, hopes to have a big upcoming season this year with the FFPC. Please welcome into the show, Derek Kappas. Derek, good Friday to you, and thanks for hopping aboard tonight, man. Yeah, what's going on, guys? Hey, Balky, Farrell. Happy Friday to you guys it, as well. It, it's good to thank – well, you. Thank, thank you so much, man. Thank, thank you. Um, I, you probably already saw this, and I think you liked the tweet, but apparently David Hubbard, who is um, a former FFPC main event <laughs> champ, uh, plays a ton of football guys' leagues, obviously – you have irritated him being in the same draft before because it seems like you're always taking the players that he's targeting. Yeah, you know, I've I've, um, I've seen him in several of my drafts the past couple of years. Um, you know, it's 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 been great. I, I love competing against all of these these great players, and you know, in all these drafts, I typically see several guys in in, in all of the same drafts. So it's 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 really awesome to be able to um, play against these guys. Derek, I know that we are um, we are um, heading out to California. You're you're coming to us uh, from California tonight. What are mm-hmm. you doing for a living out there in in uh, in the Bay Area? Sure. So I work for the the job company Career Builder. Um, you guys familiar? They're like the the, the oh, yeah. oldest job. Oh, absolutely. Board. Yes. Um, yeah. So um, sort you know similar to like LinkedIn, indeed, but. Um, I'm an account manager for them, so I sort of manage um, a bunch of accounts um, for them. So it's a great gig. I, um, I moved out to, to California with my wife during COVID um, from Chicago. Oh. So been here since August of last year in, in Santa Barbara. Um, you know, in the live draft, they've been on my radar here, so I, I figured why not. It's, it's, it's a very short flight to Vegas. Um, and my wife, me and my wife are going to stay uh, at the Planet Hollywood for five nights. So we're, we're, we're definitely excited about that. I, I love it, Balky. We have a, a contrarian move, a guy from Sweet Home, <laughs> Chicago. Everybody's leaving California. Uh, Derek <laughs> is headed right into the heart of the Bay Area and is going yeah. to flee to his annual sojourn to, uh, to Las Vegas. I, I love that, and it'll be a pleasure to meet you. And between now and then, I've got to figure out what to do with two players because I haven't drafted them anywhere. When I get to the 8th, ninth, 10th round and start looking at Dolphins, especially at the wide receiver position, it's usually Waddle and Parker. And I understand you're really loading up on Tua and Will Fuller. What am I missing in these two players, and, and why are these players guys you're targeting? Yeah, so, you know, Tua is – he's probably one of my top best ball targets for, for the QB2. Um, mm-hmm. He pretty much gets forgotten. He's, you know, he's going in like the 10 to 12th round in best balls, which is really late for quarterbacks. So, you know, you can really wait on quarterbacks in best balls and, and essentially get him as, as your QB1 if you want. But, you know, I, I think he just has great value this year. Um, 
you know, he, he had no preseason last year. He was coming off that, that serious hip injury. You know, yep. many people were, you know, attributing that to something similar to, like, Bo Jackson. So, like, I, I didn't foresee him having a great year. And then sort of this offseason they've um, built that roster around him. You know, they've added Fuller. They've added Waddle. Um, and I, I think he should be back close to, to 100%. So, um, you know, why not draft 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 to a – too late, you know, as your QB two, and sort of see what happens there. Yeah, but might not. I mean, again, we're 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 talking about draft capital, but we're also talking about the potential ceiling of these late round guys. That's what you want to do. You don't necessarily draft yeah. for floor as, as a lot of people do in the beginning of the draft. You want to draft for ceiling late, and Tua Tagovailoa is a perfect example of that. You already said it, Derek. You are a Bears fan coming out of the Midwest mm-hmm. from. Uh, Chicago. Um, let's talk about David Montgomery here and, and the rest of the Bears running backs. Now, Montgomery last year took advantage of Tariq Cohen's injury, and he really, I mean, he was flat out awesome, like the last five, six weeks of the season. Oh, yeah. um, helped a lot of people win a lot of fantasy championships. You think he's ready to do that again in 2021? Or when you look at the rest of the Bears that are being drafted, as far as the running backs go right now, is there a better investment that you can make in your drafts in the Chicago backfield other than David Montgomery? Yeah, so I, I think that backfield, I mean, Montgomery is who you want. Um, Damian Williams is interesting, but, you know, I need to see more of sort of how he's going to be used here um, to see how he looks in preseason because he hasn't played since, you know, two seasons ago. Um, but, you know, just like you said, I mean, he, he was a league winner last year. Like the last six games, I think he was over 20 PPR points like each game, and he won a lot of people, um, you know, championships last year. Um, like right, and I think he was the RB four, which is pretty insane value for where people got him. Um, in many of the drafts I'm doing now, he's he's going to like the three four turn. I, I've even gotten him at the four oh nine as my first running back, and I was like ecstatic um, for that. Mm-hmm. But he, um, you know, if, if he keeps, I know I know Cohen's back, but if if you know if Montgomery can, can still get those three to four targets, you know, each game. You know, if he can get those two receptions, like, I, I think he's going to be, a, you know, a low-end RB1, and, and people are getting him now, um, what, in the RB15 to 20 range. So I, I think there's a lot of, you know, meat on that bone for, for people to sort of um, get value from, from where he's going right now. Hey, Derek, you're prolifically drafting uh, – when does yeah. when does the Too much. <laughs> best ball drafts? Um, when when do the best balls end and the, the classic or managed leagues begin? And when it's all said and done, mm-hmm. what's going to be your percentage of each? So I, I typically like to be honest, I probably won't do much more best ball besides the the best ball championship that that uh-huh. PC has. I, I might do one or two of those, but I I started drafting best balls I think on the first day back in. Um, like bulky low is that January, February? Um, yep, absolutely so I, January. I, yep. Yeah, I I just like to you know dip my toes in, see what the ADP is. So I've probably done around like twenty best balls. So I'm, I'm pretty much done with best balls and now sort of transitioning more into classic redraft. Um, well, I was right. I was right there with you, and I, I yeah. You know, naturally, the Super Bowl was very fresh in my mind, and I was surprised with some of the value of the Tampa players that could get in the best ball, especially when um, mm-hmm. you could you could stack a position. Like Gronkowski 
and, and O.J. Howard was one that, that I was very interested in. It was a no-brainer for best ball. As we transition into um, managed leagues, what are you doing about these two players now? How do you want to fit them into a 20-man roster, and do you see value for yes. for either of them? Yeah, so, I mean, like you said, they're, they're best for best ball. Um, for my, I did do an FPC on, on Monday of this week, um, and I did take um, – I think I took Gronk in, like, the 13th or 14th round, and then um, O.J. Howard is, like, last round. So I'm just mm-hmm. sort of grabbing both of them, you know, and just sort of seeing how the season plays out. If one of them, you know, takes a, a stranglehold on the position, great. Um, to be honest, I, I think they're both going to, you know, take targets from each other. But, you know, if, if you can get the tight end one for Brady and um, potentially have that as your tight end two on your team, I, I think it's worth doing that. Talking with Derek Kappas, a multi-league winner in both the FFPC and the Football Guys Players Championship. You follow him on Twitter, at Derek Kappas. Derek, um, you look at J.K. Dobbins, um, second year running back, expected to take a a big step forward for the Baltimore Ravens. But I'm just kind of curious as I look at his ADP, um, not the biggest pass catcher in the world is Dobbins. And right now, Football Guys drafters are, are selecting him fairly high, running back 16 at the 303, so sort of right after that 2-3 turn. Uh, do you think that that is an overdrafting of, of Dobbins? Is that, is, is that you know drafting more for his ceiling rather than what he's going to put up? And if you do believe people are overdrafting him right now, do you think Gus Edwards makes for a better investment, a better target in the mid-rounds? Yeah, so I mean, this was probably the hardest. Uh, you know, this is a tough question. Um, you know, I've, I'm a, a Dobbins truther. I have several shares of him in, in FPC leagues. Um, I guess it really depends on where you get him. I, I, I've, most of my shares are in the third round. Um, and I, I think he's a great value in the middle of the third there. I, I saw Roman Roman came out today saying they're, they're – optimistic on, on trying to get him more, more targets in the offense. So, um, you know, worst case, like, he's where he was last year, and I, I think maybe it's a bit of a, you know, you're drafting him a little too high, but if, if he improves a little bit, he's going to be a steal um, in the third round. And, you know, I, I don't see much difference with him and really Nick Chubb, who's going early second. You know, Chubb doesn't get targets. And, you know, I, I could see Dobbins this year with, like, 1,200 rushing yards, 10 touchdowns, um, which is what you would expect out of Chubb, and he's going at the one-two turn. So, um, you know, I, I think getting him in the third round is a great value. You know, great value can be found uh, in the oddest places sometimes. And uh, I get a lot of heat because uh, when I first introduced football, Derek, I, I um, was, was captivated and, and – and motivated and just completely entertained by Daryl LaMonica and the Mad Bomber of the then mm. Oakland Raiders. It was a whole new kind of football for me, much much better than watching three yards in a cloud of dust and, and what was the NFL then. I was an AFL guy. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's just uh, fond memories and uh, nostalgia for me uh, when, when I talk about the Raiders. And now they're being in Las Vegas, and, you know, we'll be out there for the uh, – for the FFPC, and uh, so will the Baltimore Ravens week one. And I'm curious, 
in mm-hmm. week one because I don't know how how the uh, Jacobs and company will run the ball against the Ravens. I'm curious as who Derek Carr is going to go to beside his stellar tight end, uh, Darren Waller. And, and we hear about all the time that Gruden is taking receivers, receivers, receivers. And I think he should because the depth chart to me is not that <laughs> impressive. I mean, you know, we should yeah. take some of the correct receivers. But uh, nevertheless, mm-hmm. who have you uh, – who will you be keeping your eye on, and, and are you drafting any Raider offensive threats besides Jacobs and Waller? Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's definitely not great there. Um, in, in a lot of best balls, I've been pairing John Brown and Henry Ruggs. Um, I feel like that's a good move. In, in terms of, like, redraft, it, it's tough. I've, I, I have – I mean, the guy I would go with would be Henry Ruggs. Um, just like, you know, um, following him on Twitter, you know, this, this off season, it seems like he's, you know, gotten bigger. Um, and, you know, last year he had a lot of injuries, you know, I think he had two or three different injuries. Um, and, um, and he was you know, the it, first, it, it, first wide receiver taking the yeah, last year. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. He's their guy. And like his, his like average depth of target was like, 16, 17 yards last year, which is the highest in the league. So I think if they can get him sort of, um, you know, involved in some different passing routes, sort of shorter distance, like cause that's how he was used at Alabama. He, he wasn't really this big, big, you know, play guy. He His, his ADOT was, was lower than, you know, 17 back in college. So if, if they can sort of switch that around and he stays healthy, um, I, I think he, he can, you know, he can be a decent like wide receiver for on, on a redraft team. I'm so glad that you didn't Let's say Hunter Renfro, and you know, there's a lot of people <laughs> looking forward to our first weekend of football. I'm looking forward yeah. to seeing Hunter Renfro displaced from the Raider lineup, and yeah. Willie Steed go onto the field and just block the hell out of his old Baltimore teammates. So that's what I'm. Yeah. I, that's you know, <laughs> I I, I kind of get my jollies from different sorts of players. So you know, yeah, no, I, I start yeah. Renfro yeah. in my flex spot last year and in a couple of spots and. Let me tell you, it was not good, you know. <laughs> How do you get on your roster? Is is the misses playing uh, around in free agency a little bit? How that happen? What what how does, yeah, you know. I'd have to look back, but yeah, it's oh, I okay. think injuries yeah. and I, I I think he had a decent start to the um season last year, the first half, from what I remember. Mm-hmm. Um you know, like a lot of six for sixties, you know, which is like twelve points. So in your flex, Yeah, I don't okay, think he had that. I don't think you had that. You got to go back, and and I'm I'm yeah. telling you from someone who lived it along with you. So you know, <laughs> not holding yeah. a grudge or anything, but I just have a good memory. I yeah, didn't think I, he I had any startable year. games. So. <laughs> um, Derek, you, now I'm before you. You already know where these guys are going. These Seattle Seahawks. I'm about to ask you about. For for the listeners' sake, yeah. I'm going to bring it up right now before I ask you this question. I'm I'm wondering what you think the best investment is in, in football guys drafts at the moment among these Seattle Seahawks. Is it is it Chris Carson right now? Chris Carson, who by the way is is going at running back eighteen at the three eleven. Is it DK Metcalf? DK Metcalf is wide receiver eight going at the three oh three. So another third round Seattle pick. Or do you think it's a little bit later on? Tyler Lockett, wide receiver twenty six at the six oh three. Which which is the the best um, expensing of draft capital between those three players. Yeah, 
I think you could even throw in Russell Wilson in this. Like, he's going very late um, for quarterbacks. But for these three guys, um, you know, DK is going to, like, the 2-3 turn. You'll, you'll see Carson in the, you know, middle third, maybe the early fourth. Um, but the guy I've been drafting a lot is Tyler Lockett. Um, just, like, in the last seven days, um, from Fantasy Mojo sort of data, he's going in, like, the, the sixth six, or the sixth and the seventh round. But when I, I think when I started drafting early May in these FTCs, he was going in, like, the eighth, eighth round, sometimes ninth, um, which is why, I, you know, I, I have been drafting a lot, just because of these insane values. Um, but I, I would go with Lockett. Um, in terms of, like, production, like, it was very similar. Last year, I think Metcalf had, like, 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns, and Lockett was around 1,010. So the discrepancy there with, with DK and Lockett, I think, is a little too big. And, um, you know, if Lockett keeps those, you know, those, those poor games limited a little bit more this year, I, I think he could be a solid wide receiver two, high, or, you know, low-end wide receiver one um, that you're getting pretty late. The decisions like that is is what propelled you to a three division championship last year uh, in the three main event divisions in the FFPC. Um, I get the feeling that this is a step up for you this year. It, it is for me too. I'm enjoying the slow drafts and and yeah. uh, I, I've never drafted this much. And and it uh, I wish I could say that my drafting had, had been prompted by such. Uh, uh, exceptional play as as you had. So you're gonna. Am I to take <laughs> that this is the first live main event in the FFPC for you? Correct. Or, yeah. Are you? First, are you? Oh, okay. Good. Oh, wait, you're sorry, gonna have so it. I've, I've been in four FFPC main event leagues that have been online, but this will be my first right. one like live in Vegas. Yeah. Uh, you're gonna have you're gonna have a blast. Yeah. And it's it's gonna be. It's going to be great to have you out there, and I look forward to uh, to meeting yeah. you. Uh, the uh, and I think more people uh, should should copy that. And I agree with you. Um, drafting early allows you to see uh, these valuable uh, situations, get involved with players that by August and by the live draft you probably can't get at these at these bargain prices. In addition to Lockett, do yep. you have another guy that you've, that you've just really targeted or really noticed that you say, man, I'm so happy I can get my hands on this player? Yeah. Um, in terms of, like, a sleeper, you know, I've, I feel like every draft I leave with Darnell Mooney, it could be the Bears fandom in mm-hmm. me, but, um, you know, he's going into, like, 12, 13, maybe even 14th round. And, you know, it's it, – it, look, if, if Dalton plays next year, he'd be probably – you know, he's not going to be much better than he was his rookie year. But if Fields, you know, gets on the field, you know, week two, week three, like he's he's a deep ball thrower and, and, Mark, and, and Mooney's a, you know, a, yes. a really good, you know, explosive, um, you know, deep ball threat guy. So, you know, I think they could have a connection and, um, you know, he, he could put up decent – you know, maybe low end wide receiver two numbers. So um, I I feel like every FPC draft I have, I'm, I'm leaving with Mooney. Um, we want to get to uh, some feedback from the uh, from the listeners here um, for you tonight, Derek. The first question 
is a guy I'm sure you've drafted against in the Football Guys Players Championship this year. He's actually in a draft right now, and that's why he's not listening live like he normally is. But Hudson Kern-Reeve, the Wasp guy, wants to know if you think DeAndre Swift's ADP is, should start sinking, giving the uh, head coach there, Dan Campbell, and Anthony Lynn's uh, the OC, the uh, sort of their hot hand approach that they've been talking up the Lions running backs with Jamal Williams, with DeAndre Swift, and now, mm-hmm. uh, you know, speaking with Todd Gurley, too. Uh, and we'll see if he comes aboard in Detroit. Um, but um, you look at Swift's ADP yeah. here, uh, currently he is drafted as the 17th running back off the board at the 303. Is that too high? You think it's going to come down? What's your crystal ball say on where Swift's ADP is going to go over the next couple of weeks? Yeah, so I'm, I- I don't think his ADP is going to go much lower than it is right now. Um, I, I took my first share of, of Swift in that draft on Monday, actually, in the third round. Um, I, I wasn't buying any of, of Swift when he was going, like, early second to even mid-second just because, you know, you're having to pass up, like, Diggs and, and you know, A.J. Brown's not the Adams, DeAndre Hopkins. Like, those are guys I want on my team um, over Swift. But, um you know, those concerns are valid. Um, they have a lot of guys in the backfield, and it seems like Jamal Williams, he's going to get maybe 30 40% of the touches there. So it, it's tough. But, um, you know, I, I'm still taking him in the, the early to mid-third um, right now. So Draft DeAndre Swift with confidence uh, is the uh, line that we're getting from Derek Kappas tonight. So good stuff there. Also, when we were talking about the Seattle Seahawks earlier – Two players that we left out here are two players that the Bourbon City Ballers, Kevin Williamson, is asking about. He wants to know for a redraft, Dwayne Eskridge, Gerald Everett, are you interested in either of those players in the Football Guys Players Championship this year in Seattle? Yeah, so I think I have some shares of Eskridge. Um, you know, I'm not sure how much he's going to get on the field early on in the year, but I think like Lockett's sort of putting him under his, his wing and showing him the ropes of the league. And, um, you know, I, I think he could turn it on maybe later in the year. But in terms of redraft, you know, I, it's, he's, he's someone who might be the last wide receiver you want on your bench, and you'll probably drop him and maybe pick him up again. But, um, yeah, he, he's definitely <laughs> something, someone I would be interested in. Um, Gerald Evitt, I, I, I really have no idea on that guy. Um, I, I would need to see more of him um, this preseason. I mean, he, he, he's the tight end one there, so, um, you know, you can't go wrong, you know, taking him in a tight end premium league and, you know, the, what, he's going in like the 17th or maybe 15th or 18th rounds. Um, so, you know, I, I like him. I don't have too many shares of him, um, but I think that's a player I need to look more into a little bit. I think that's Yeah, tight end idea. 21. Somebody... For... Go ahead, Farrell. Oh, yeah, you know, when somebody throws a player like that, and I'm hearing that player's name a lot, uh, go as go as deep as you can, Derek. Go back to his college days. Go back to what they thought of him when he came into the league. It's been a mystery to me why that player yeah. um, has, has not been given bigger opportunities. And go to that great – go to that great Kansas City Rams uh, game where they both teams collectively uh, pushed 100 points, and, and you'll get to see some Gerald Everett that is – that is, is worth having. Balky, have you got another email, or can I find out who uh, the stinker in Derek's uh, list is at this point? Uh, yes, no, please go ahead, Farrell. 
Buddy, we you gave us your great sleeper. Now I this this question you you've got a situation with players that maybe you're avoiding because of talent, or maybe despite all these drafts that I've been in, for instance, I can't get a landing spot where I have uh, drafted the standout uh, running back from the Colts, Taylor. So, you know, and I expect to before the season's over, but I got a lot of teams and I don't have one single Taylor. So tell me somebody that is like that, that you just, you're intentionally avoiding or you're circumstantially not much in business with. Yeah, so um, I I think the guy for me I have zero shares of is Chase Edmonds right now. Um, Just looking at the data, it looks like he's going in like the, like I've seen him in the fifth round, which is insane, and, and lately he's been going in the sixth round, but you know, I I see him just having the same role as last season. Um, and I, I've been drafting a lot of James Conner, who, who's going in, like, the 10th, you know, 10th round. And, and I see him sort of replacing Kenyon Drake, Drake's role from last year. And, you know, Edmonds just doing sort of what he did last year. So, um, you know, people are taking Edmonds over, like, you know, Lockett's going in the sixth round now, T. Higgins, Ayuk. Mm-hmm. Like, it's. It's pretty pricey for for him, and you know you're you're taking him over these these solid wide receiver twos. So um, I, I don't think Chase Edmonds is going to be someone I have much on my teams this year. I got well, one follow up question that we will have you if, if we have time. Go ahead, Farrell. Yeah. Yes, please. please. What what do you consider yourself to be a better drafter or a better game manager, better lineup manager? Um, aren't they similar? Where did these great wins come from last year? <laughs> I, you know, I wouldn't say I'm a better drafter than others. I, I feel like I, um, maybe in the way I draft, like I'm, I'm not one um, to draft like six running backs in, in the first six rounds. I'm not one of those drafters, but I, I try to have a balanced team and put myself in position, um, you know, to where I have, you know, strengths all around my roster, not just one, you know, not just like strong at running back and wide receiver, but I and I try to have a balanced roster. So I don't I don't really do anything too crazy in drafts. Um, but hopefully that sort of answered the question a little bit. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, and and so for you, Derek, too, like um, when, when you're when you're going hard on all these football guys drafts this year. Mm-hmm. Um, how concerned are you about the waiver wire and, and making sure all these teams are up to snuff? Certainly, I don't want to say the waiver wire is yeah. going to be easier this year with with COVID maybe not being as as big of a factor. But when you when you consider you know drafting all these teams, how concerned are you about keeping up on on the waiver wire and making sure that that you're formulating and, and putting forth the best possible starting lineups you can on a week to week basis? Yeah, I mean it's definitely going to be tough. Um, you know, I, I know some guys hire people to do their waiver wires and right. all that stuff, but, you know, <laughs> I, I actually really enjoy it. Um, I, I, I love redraft. You know, I, I like best ball, but to be honest, once I draft those teams, I don't look at them until maybe the last right. week of the season. Whereas redraft, I really enjoy sort of the strategy and figuring out, you know, how much your opponent's going to bid on a guy on the, on the waiver wire and, um, sort of trying to figure out whether you should go heavy early with, 
with Fab or maybe, you know, keep some if you're, you know, going to make the playoffs. Um, yeah, I think this year what waivers are Wednesday and Sunday, I think. So, um, yeah, last year was it was the first big year I had where I think I was managing like 15 teams, and it, it definitely was a challenge. But, um, you know, I, I just devote, you know, one night each week and, and focus on that and put in my bids, and then I'm done. Um, so, um you know, and I'm looking forward to it. I'll say, yeah, and and Derek, it's interesting too because I look forward to waivers too. I think everybody, they, they, it gets a bad rap, right? Um, we all love drafting. Yeah. Drafting is so much fun, but then the managing of the lineups, the managing of waivers, gets to be a little uh, tiresome after a while. But I'll tell you what, I, I and that's the attitude I've had for the last for well, most of the last ten years. But the last few years, man, I love waking up on Thursday mornings to to see who I got right to to see who I got on the waiver wire. Cause it's sort of like a second, oh, yeah. not a second draft. I mean, that's ridiculous, but just, you know, just to see how I did on the bid, see how the bids turned out. I think that's uh, that's as much fun Thursday morning. Very, very fun part of my week and Friday nights, always a very <laughs> yeah. fun part of my week, especially when we get to talk to great guests like Derek Kappas, you follow him on Twitter at Derek Kappas. Derek can't thank you enough for coming on, carving out a little bit of time on your Friday night to hop aboard and talk a little shop with us. Good luck in all your leagues. And we'll see you out in planning Hollywood in, in a couple of one, um, months, man. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, I'll see you in Vegas. Thank you, Derek. Absolutely. Have Derek Kappas, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, absolutely. You do the same. Uh, so good to have a former multi-league champ in the FFPC and the Football Guys Players Championship come aboard tonight. Good stuff from Derek Kappas. And, and uh, I, I, you know, not that I envy him, Farrell, but, man, that you know, the first year you really go – um, full out, go all in, and drafting a ton of teams. That is such a fun year, you know. And obviously, if, if it turns out bad, it turns out bad. But man, doing all those drafts and getting ready for the season and having all those teams out there and and following them throughout the season. My first year, I did that. It was awesome. I loved it. It, it is, and it's it's a big step, and it's a step that if it can be uh, managed from a time standpoint, and then be repeated by from a success standpoint um he'll enjoy it a year in year out i i got the the vibe from him bulky that you know just basically this stuff is not that complicated and i enjoy doing it and um you know he seems to enjoy every aspect of it he's not afraid to say when he doesn't know a player or doesn't figure you know can't figure a player out he he's uh you know, and, and he, he understands the players as what they mean to him in the construction uh, of his team, you know, and, and I, I like that, and obviously it's paying dividends for him. I want to, just before we get to a couple of emails here, before we close up shop for the for the week, Farrell, he said his, his boss, or not his necessarily a boss, but a guy he was staying away from was Chase Edmonds, and um, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people early on were drafting him, and then even after um, you know, it didn't look like they were going to add anybody. People were still drafting Chase Edmonds high. Now he slipped to the sixth round um, based on the James Conner signing. Um, how do you fall in on this? Does Edmonds represent a good buy for you in the sixth round, or are you more likely to take Conner, you know, in the tenth round? And I apologize, I cannot remember if I asked you this before or not, but I'm going to ask you again because if you answered it, I forgot what you said. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh... No, you haven't asked it before, but in the area of the sixth round, he gets no attention from me because I like the receivers. More importantly, I like the running backs that are in that area, and I don't feel comfortable 
and consistently understand what they're going to do uh, in Arizona. And I, I struggle. Uh, I, I've got to look in because I really want to figure out Rondell Moore and, and what that means uh, to me. And I don't think a lot of other players have figured that out either because uh, you can tell me what uh, the Mojo says about him, uh, but uh, I don't think he's moved much either. But So that's a situational no for me. I I don't believe that I want to invest that draft capital in, in, in Chase Edmonds in the sixth round. Um, actually, Rondale Moore is going to be right in between a couple of receivers we touched on tonight. Rondale Moore, wide receiver 54 uh, at the 12.09 in Football Guys draft. That is right after Rashad Bateman and Darnell Mooney, who we all know Derek Kappas is a fan of. And it is right ahead of uh, T.Y. Hilton and Henry Ruggs, another guy that uh, Derek was uh, completing his Raider stacks with, the Ruggs. John Brown um, duo in best ball drafts. We'll see how that turns out for him. But that is where Rondell Moore is going in drafts right now. Let's shift our focus over to our listener emails, and we're going to kick things off with Art in Savannah, Georgia. He writes, how concerning is it that Antonio Gibson is still rehabbing a toe injury that happened almost half a calendar year ago, considering where he's going in FPC drafts? Thank you, gentlemen. That is Art, Savannah, Georgia. Art, we appreciate the email. We thank you. And I'll tell you right now, Antonio Gibson, as he's talking about, running back 14 Farrell at the 209. That is right behind Joe Mixon and Aaron Jones. It's right ahead of Clyde Edwards-Alaire and J.K. Dobbins. You feel good about that spot for Antonio Gibson at the 209? Me personally, I think I could be on board with that. I think the toe um, is a little bit concerning, but... You're talking about a, a rocked-up, thick three-down back that's got a lot of pass-catching experience. Yeah, I'm going to take a chance on him at the 209. Sure, and I, when people reach for him, it doesn't surprise me. I see him go off much earlier in the second round sometime. But, you know, Art has a very good point. There's nothing that can ruin a player's season quicker than a bad toe. Turf toe, ligaments, it, uh, whatever it is, uh, the toe is uh, – one of the greatest areas of frustration uh, because there's no real and quick way to heal it. You can ice it, you can shoot it, you can do whatever you want, but it's still going to linger. It's still going to hurt. We we watched uh, we watched Patrick Mahomes and and what happened with Super Bowl this year, and uh, you know that should be an indication that uh, of what a toll can do to a player. A minuscule appendage, yet it. Uh... It is a has a massive um, a massive uh, impact on a player, especially yes, a running back uh, that depends uh, on you know using that toe to cut and plant. So we're going to find out more as as the season goes on, and if if they're resting him more and he's not out there in training camp a lot, then yeah, certainly I think he's going to slip. Right now, knowing what I know, I can get on board with him at that spot. Moving on to Jim in Brainerd, Minnesota. How are you guys handling the Cowboys tight end situation when you consider Jarwin coming back from his injury and how Dalton Schultz performed in his place in 2020? Jim in Brainerd, Minnesota, we thank you for emailing in. I looked at this earlier before the show started, uh, Farrell, and there is quite a bit of disparity here between these two tight ends. Um, Blake Jarwin right now is going off the board uh, in football guys drafts over the last five days, tight end 20 at the 12.03. Dalton Schultz, going much, much later than that, actually. Tight end 36 at the 19-9. So he's basically one of those final pick flyer type players right now 
that's a lot of disparity between Jarwin and Schultz. And I guess everybody's sort of assuming that Jarwin is, is going to be the guy. And um, when Prescott comes back, Jarwin's powers are going to be even more magnified. And if that's true, he's an awesome value in the 12th round. I guess I just worry about Schultz being out there and, and how much that's going to affect both these guys' end-of-season numbers. We've got to see this in preseason because, you know, in the previous, on previous broadcasts, I I said that um, I just don't see how they can regulate to the bench a tight end with the, the kind of hands that Schultz has, the 60-plus catches last year from those quarterbacks. I And... And there's a lot, there's a lot of great pass catchers on this team, and a running back uh, that I think is coming back uh, in a serious way this year was Zeke Elliott. And then we just heard this week that uh, Pollard, uh, who went uh, in college, got much work in the slot mich- uh, position, is getting more work there uh, early on in uh, camp. So I, I just. Uh, there's too much unknown for me to figure this out, and uh, in the FFPC, I'm not waiting that late uh, to figure tight end out. So, you know, I may miss out on a golden opportunity, but this one's just not for me right now. I, I reserve a right to change my mind because I think I like both these players, but I really can't figure out uh, what's going to happen with them. I'd like, to, I'd like to get in touch with uh, with our man up in Brainerd to see what he thinks about the, the movie Fargo sometimes. You could send that to him. Ah. You know, Brainerd was a, it was a big deal. In that, it, was, it was huge, um, for sure. And, um, and obviously, uh, being a Midwestern boy, obviously, uh, I, I was a fan as well, even though it's from a neighboring state. Um, you know, Dalton Schultz basically free. Uh, so I, I guess I'd, I'd take a chance on him in the 19th round. Who cares? As a third tight end in football guys drafts, um, if I were drafting in that. Um, Jarwin's a little bit more um, nebulous, right, as far as what to do with him. Because in that area there, I means Zach Ertz is going there. If he gets traded, I, you know his ADP is going to go up because he's going to be traded to a, a team that wants to use him. Anthony Ferkser is going right around there. We saw him catching a ton of passes at minicamp, obviously, as well. Adam Troutman, I'm a fan of this year. And then don't forget about Hunter Henry, too. So I think all those guys make some sense there. And not to mention, you know, Gerald Everett, Cole Komet, Jared Cook. I mean, these are all guys going after Jarwin. So there's some, there's some good tight end goodness there in the, in the 11th, 12th round for, uh, for football guys drafts this year. Um, if you want to get your third one there or even a backup, uh, if you draft a stud right away, I think you can find some, some players that you really want to be in business with. Um, final email tonight, Farrell. Uh, Nick in Southfield, Michigan. Dear Terry and Cordell. Are you convinced that Big Ben and his reconstructed throwing elbow are going to be able to keep the Steelers playmakers elite in 2021? Appreciate it. That is Nick in Southfield, Michigan. Nick, thank you for the email. We appreciate it. Um, So Big Ben had his uh, um, elbow uh, surgery reconstructed last year. We know he wasn't exactly the most accurate passer. Well, he's never been really the most accurate deep passer, but it was really bad last year, Farrell. Chase Claypool, I know you love. You also got Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster there. Um, there's going to be a lot of weapons for uh, Roethlisberger to throw to. Are you concerned about the elbow affecting that at all this season? Yeah, and it, I don't know. Again, I don't know how to answer the question because until we see this guy play in a preseason game, we won't know. But um, I've never been engaged with quarterbacks to, to, to understand what's going on. Uh, with the elbow, you know, and, and, and I can't, 
I can't give you any meaningful insight on it. You know, Roethlisberger's an older player. Older players have trouble recovering. It was difficult to, you know, we were watching an undefeated team there for a while, Balky, and then the wheels came off. I refuse to believe that any of these receivers who put up numbers uh, last year in such an impressive way are going to be thwarted too much by uh, any physicality issues with Rossberger. He seems like a tough guy, and they know how to get open in tight spaces. I think it'll be fine. Farrell, do I have you? I'm with you, Balky. Farrell, do I have you back? I'm oh, back here, Balky. Okay, sorry about that. I don't know. We're 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 having we're having some issues with PTR. Um, what? It's a good time to end the show in any event. Uh, I would say we got through a lot. We covered a lot of ground for anybody drafting. Um, uh, this weekend, it's 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 going to be a, a fun weekend of drafting. Whether it's in the KFFSC, the Football Guys Players Championship. Uh, the FFPC Best Ball Tournament, a lot of stuff uh, going on there. Remember, if you want more information on the KFFSC, go to KFFSC.com. You can always follow KFFSC on Twitter. Farrell, you want to hit up the phone numbers at 502-471-7281 for anybody who has any uh, questions uh, about the league? No, I don't want them to call that number, although they would really enjoy it because my lovely mother would Good thing would I, didn't, I didn't just it. give it out or but, anything like that. But, you know, Balky, i got to tell you, i, I got a couple quick things to go through this week. We have lived this week without benefit of good morning football on the NFL Network. I think it has something to do with they gave the staff the day off, but I haven't seen any, or the week off, I haven't seen any official announcement for it. But uh, th- that is a staple in our household. And my 95-year-old mother, who continues to recover from her hip surgery, is uh, is very angry that there's no good morning football and she can uh, speak to me about the, uh, about how Kay Adams is, is making some fashion mistakes and what she's doing right. So, you know, football <laughs> evaluation goes across. Uh, the other thing, the other thing is I, I really want to give a uh, congratulations. You know, we were talking to Derek about his coming live to draft in the FFPC and, I know we're up against it, and I'll be quick about this. We talked in the episode about the Baltimore Ravens coming to town, and I want to tip my hat to the FFPC who, when hotel rooms are almost non-existent across the Las Vegas landscape, and the ones that are available are ridiculously expensive, uh, what a great job the FFPC has done to secure us affordable hotel rooms if you're staying three days like me or five days like Derek or two weeks like Balky. You know, whatever it is, you're <laughs> it, it, great job with the FFPC. And I'll finish up. Yeah, our main event is open. We want guys to sign up and come into August to Kentucky, good old sweat hot Kentucky and, and sweat it out and, and, and draft some great teams as you prepare for the FFPC. And Balky, your uh, your your championship, which you're defending, the checkered flag, is still open throughout the month of June. I gotta get I gotta get ready and get some players. We have four more 12 team divisions to draft, and uh, I believe you're in one of them. And I think uh, everyone would would love to come and uh, have the honor of competing with you. Yeah, checkered flag. Obviously, I, I'm I'm uh, privy and, and biased because I, I won it last year. I was fortunate enough to win it. 
But, yeah, it is a fun competition. The next draft, I think, is popping off on Wednesday. And then uh, the the following Sunday, there are plenty of spots available in those leagues as well, um, those four leagues that, that, are, that are remaining. So hopefully you can pop on and, and draft there. Farrell, always good to talk to you again, man. We'll do this again next Friday, dude. Thank you, Bob. See you then. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, the head honcho over at the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. Sign up for those leagues at kffsc.com today. That is going to uh, wrap up tonight's show, the first show of June, as we are um, right in the thick of drafting season. Like I said at the top, no excuse not to be drafting now. The draft is done. Free agency is done. uh, The players are practicing. We're seeing it all right now. So make sure you're hopping into a draft. Um, right now, or, or more than one, obviously. We have a ton of, uh, ton of action available over at the FFPC. Don't forget about the inaugural best ball tournament, which is going on $100,000 grand prize, a half-million-dollar uh, prize pool there, just $125 for your entry. Football guys drafts popping off uh, early and often right now, uh, several of those going off each and every day, even though it is still June. Half-million-dollar grand prize there if you want to hop in. The midnight draft tonight, still plenty of spots available in that. We'll try to get that one off. And I'll be in the draft rooms all weekend and uh, uh, checking out what everybody's doing live as uh, drafts after the midnight draft tonight will resume at 1 p.m. on Saturday. I want to thank Derek Kappas, Farrell Elliott, the FFPC, Rob and Bryce, and of course each and every one of you uh, for listening to the show tonight. Uh, we will be back next week at 10, 9 Central on Friday with 14-time main event football guys and FFPC League champion Alex Bolazzo. That's right, Alex Bolazzo is going to be on the program next week. And for the special announcement uh, that I said uh, at the top of the show, we will be announcing all the Joes for the 2021 Pros versus Joes competition. All those Joes will be announced on the show next week. We have um, uh, seven leagues this year, so obviously uh, you're you're looking at 42 Joes. We're going to name all 42 Joes right on the show. If you want to hear your name called, here if it is called, the first chance you will hear of it will not be an FFPC email, will not be a message board post, will not be anything on social media. It will be on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Uh, Thank you so much, everybody, for uh, for listening tonight, uh, hanging out with us. Always a pleasure to do this. Uh, especially this time of year when there's so much stuff going on. And by the way, once training camps really heat up, we're going to have a lot more to discuss. ADP is going to change again. It's going to be very exciting. Um, I mentioned a lot of redraft options for you at the FFPC. Don't forget about the Dynasty startups. Those are popping off. I think we got probably, I don't know, maybe a dozen of them going off this weekend. So if you want to get in on that, definitely take advantage. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Your weekend officially starts right now. This has been another episode of the High Heist- This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week.
I know Farrell touched on this earlier as far as the accommodations go with the FFPC live events in September. Um, and I do want to give a shout out to Greg Sidoris, our casino host out there who's been working with us for, oh man, it seems like almost a decade now. Um, he, uh, he helps uh, organize a lot of uh, giveaways for the uh, viewing party at halftime every year, which we'll, we'll see again this year. Very excited uh, for the Cowboys and Buccaneers to watch that. Very excited to get back to Vegas. Um, you know, we, we had our live events go off last year, but we didn't have, um, you know, everybody there that's normally there, myself included. I wasn't even there last year. I'm very excited to get back there this year. I think it's going to be awesome. I think this could be our biggest turnout ever. Um, a lot of people itching to get back there. And, yeah, Farrell's right. I mean, you can check out the FFPC uh, email news blast that I send twice a week, and you can see on there the difference um, what you'd be paying without – um, the FFPC group discount. So make sure you're taking advantage of that, booking those flights, booking those hotel rooms, signing up for those leagues, and trying to take a chance at uh, life-changing money. Maybe a half million dollars is um, going to be happening for you this year. You never know unless you try. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. I'll see you in the draft rooms this weekend.